0: Maro Keen, he is an award-winning regenerative farmer, he is going to be speaking at Minnesota State University coming up, and he's got a little bit of different take on regenerative agriculture because he's talking about regenerative poultry farming. Good morning, Rehi. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and you're doing something that's very interesting, so they're bringing you here to Minnesota State University, and you'll be talking on Tuesday, April 11th, for talk about regenerative poultry farming. Now, what in the world is that? Exactly.
1: What, where in the world is the chicken is the real question. Okay. And why has it not crossed your mind, right? <laughs> no, this is really interesting. Um, we are probably the first group of uh, scientists, agronomists, entrepreneurs to get into this space. And for us, when we started going into agriculture and regenerative specifically, as, as part of my background from growing up in the northern rainforest of Guatemala, we, we understood regenerative not as a set of practices on the land or, or uh, you know, whether you use chemicals or not, whether you use no-till or whether you put cover crops. That that wasn't really regenerative in, in the context of the ancestral uh, systems that I inherited. And for us, regenerative is really more of how you think, how you behave, how you relate, who you are in the context of the living systems of the planet. And so it's a way of being, of knowing, of relating, of learning. And as, as a matter of principle, then, regenerative poultry looked at it from that perspective, and you can look at any species from that perspective of actual a regenerative mindset as a starting point. And then what you do is you look at the world from the perspective of that species that you're going to be relating to and learning from and knowing from. And so, regenerative poultry then becomes this process by which we return poultry to its natural ancestral habitat, which is the jungles of Southeast Asia. But since we are here in the middle of the Midwest, then the the regenerative poultry concept becomes a process by which we find the species, native species to be specific, that can allow us to build the closest modern version of that ancestral geo-evolutionary habitat. And so what we ended up with is a blueprint for a process for raising chickens that allows us, one, uh, free-range them, meaning they have to be outdoors because that's their natural instinct. And if it's not, if they are not in their natural environment, well, they're not going to regenerate anything. And so they are not regenerative otherwise. And so putting the chicken into a production unit was the first space that we entered into and then codified this way of thinking into the agronomics of the process. And so we put the chicken under an understory canopy of either elderberries or hazelnuts, which are native to this landscape we're in here in the Midwest, and then an overstory, and in this case because we are in the middle of the big woods here in North Hill, Minnesota, and a huge part of the Midwest can be done that way. Then we use oaks and cherries and basswood, and especially for us, sugar maple as the overstory. And then the chicken is raised outdoors, for most of its life after 28 days they are completely 100% outdoors and we are able to scale that that number of chickens because we are able to to do what is called intensive grazing by creating two paddocks in the outdoor space with a shelter in the center feed and water and all of those things that they need and and rotating them back and forth so for so as we get into poultry is really that process by which we have thought about the world from the perspective of the chicken, and then build a replicable uh, system that then we added enterprises and feed supply and grain growers and all of that integrated into a full system design that then at the end we can call regenerative because regenerative to us is not about a product or a farm. In fact, that chicken cannot be regenerative on its own. It's an ecosystem function. So only ecosystems can regenerate. And so our goal is to then build that whole ecosystem around the chicken. And because of that, it is regenerative.
0: Rehi, where are you doing this now? Because you were in Guatemala where you learned a lot of this process, as you mentioned. And you're in Minnesota, correct? Or are you in Iowa?
1: No, I'm right here in Northfield, Minnesota, very close to, to Mankato.
0: Okay, and tell me a little bit about your farm and and how did you develop it? What is it like right now?
1: Right, so in 2020, in November 2020, I bought uh, 88 acres, sold off two pieces to pay part of the mortgage, Mm -hmm. and I ended up with 64 acres. Um, Most of that, 38 acres of the total that I ended up with uh, were planted on corn and soybeans for as long as people can remember anywhere around here. 26 of those acres were wooded. And so we took 12 acres out of the 38 open-field till field land, and we started building these canopies I'm talking about. the understood So We planted 7,200 hazelnuts right at the beginning of 2021 in May. And then the rest of the farm we planted with a pasture, and now we are planting it with the other species, even though we are not going to have chickens on the rest of it. We are still planting it with, with rows of perennials, the same species we are using for the chickens, uh, where the chickens are going to range. We are using it for the rest of the farm, and creating what is called alleys in between the perennials, where we are going to be growing annual crops with three or four year rotation so that we never put the same species over and over with winter cover crops and armoring the soil, all of those things that are part of the whole context of the farm. Uh, Specifically in the chicken area, we planted the hazelnuts and we started planting hickory nuts on the top of the fields to to start holding that soil and and putting more carbon into the ground there as we prepared to bring chickens. And then right after that, we put in the driveway, the electrical, and um, we started harvesting hay in 2022. And we bring all of that and using it as mulch for the hazelnuts as they grow and the other trees. This year we are planting oaks and basswood and um, and um, sugar maples to finish populating the 12 acres where the chickens are going to re- range. And then last year we went in and started putting in the shelters, the access roads for those 12 acres where the chickens are going to be. Chicken production units will be built. And then this year we started uh, tapping the sugar maples and we have harvested just around 35 gallons of actual maple syrup. And and um, and so as we enter 2023, that farm is going to start completing its, its third, I mean, second technically um, cycle of, of, you know, its steps towards uh, regeneration, which really means, you know, bringing back energy that was taken out of the space in the form of carbon. So we're bringing it back in the form of carbon, which is the foundation of all agriculture. And so we're technically carbon farmers at the end of the day. And as we bring that into this land, you know, over the next few years, we're actually going to start harvesting hazelnuts, and we continue to harvest maple syrup, and um, and you know, over 30,000, maybe 32,000 chickens out of the ground level management that we'll be doing there. So that's that's the sequence of the farm transition. We can transition our farm from corn and soybeans into a fully productive regenerative poultry uh, farm in two years. And in three years, we can have a certified organic, and in five years, start exponentially growing the, the kind of output we can generate from hazel nuts all the way to elderberries to alley crop vegetables and grains and, of course, the chicken at the center of it.
0: So you're not just doing chickens. You're doing a, a, a number of different crops and products and things that are all a part of this chicken entity, correct?
1: Correct, because if I'm going to plant perennial crops and they're going to be supporting the health and the welfare of the chicken and also saving me tremendous amount of work and, and money as, as I build an ecosystem where chickens can thrive, well, I'm not just going to plant any tree. So hazelnuts are critical because even as we speak um, for months now, my morning milk is actually hazelnut milk, oh. and that's from the the harvest we are already achieving from previous plantations that we have in other places, and so so that's a huge output of the chicken production system, and not only is it ecologically superbly important because those are native species that know how to feed the ground and the biota of the soil and so on, and you know they're. So Incredibly resilient species. You you don't have to do anything. All you do is plant them, let the chickens under, and they weed and fertilize them, and they produce this incredible amount of biomass that we interpreted and we we interpret it in we name hazelnuts, but really is, is really energy coming out of the ground and the sky that we just harvesting, you know, for our own use. And so just the same way as we we'll be harvesting maple syrup, uh, fed and fertilized you know and then we did buy the chickens you know 14 years from now as we plant them now and timbered 40 years from now from oaks and meanwhile you know a lot of biomass we'll put them back into the soil and the basswood will be feeding the, the the pollinators really early on and 30 years from now we'll be harvesting carbon wood and all of that and meanwhile we'll be trimming and pruning and and harvesting a lot of wood chips, which then get mixed with the poultry manure coming out of the barns that we harvest, which will then be spread into the larger fields. And we're already uh, planting quite a lot of garlic, which grows extremely well with that mix of poultry manure and and wood chips. And like, seriously, what we did was we took the chicken, put it in the center of our whole ecosystem design, and is the ignition point, but again, only at the ecosystem can we regenerate the landscape and then and, and really flow. They create the energy flows that eliminate 100% of outside inputs for the farm because all of it gets generated right inside not only the farm, but also if you have a farm that, that doesn't have enough landscape to use all the manure, then we have all these other farms we're working with oh. just producing grain where then the manure gets shipped to and it's just this continuous flow of energy. Technically, at the end of the day, we're not producers of anything. We are simply stewards in, you know, of a scientifically grounded, superbly sophisticated um, uh, energy transformation process. That's what, really what we are doing here. Is, uh, from a scientific perspective, we're stewards of energy transformation. And uh, that is way, 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 way more efficient energy-wise than to plant corn and soybeans.
0: So do you, are you able to make a living on this so, you know, you can continue to, I don't know if you have to buy chip more chickens or you just rely on the ones you have to produce eggs for more chickens, or do you sell anything? I'm just trying to picture how this works because it is a very different model. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's totally a different model. In fact, it takes me sometimes, you know, well, I have a training program online. It's, it's under Regen Poultry, so R-E-G-E-N poultry.com. And you can look at the whole system. There's like over 40 hours of training before people can grab That's the cool. whole thing. It's it's a whole system. It's sure. not just raising chickens. Um, but no, our chickens come from a from a regular hatchery out east that we ordered them by the truck. They go to the different farms. There's 11 of these farms now. I'm not the only one. Oh. This is just my farm I'm describing to you. Um, And so we're a regional uh, system now. And we own a meatpacking facility, collectively own it out of Spaceyville, Iowa. We have our own brand and, and marketing and distribution company called Tree Range uh, Farms. We've got our own brand. It's called Tree Range Chicken. You can buy it at the co-ops. And if, you, if it's not in Mankato yet, ask, ask the co-op there to, to stock it. Uh, we, we are in most of the retail outlets in the Twin Cities. I mean, this is a full system. This is not just about raising chickens we got their whole supply chain integrated into a vertically integrated operationally, says, you know, vertically operationally, vertically integrated system, but then horizontally, very spread out. Everybody owns their own farms, and we contract, as three range farms, we contract the chickens from the farmers, we pay for feed and chicks so that they can concentrate on raising them, then they can keep as many chickens as they want for their family and maybe the farmers markets and the friends the rest of them you know at least 90 percent of those chickens and go to go to the processor and we bring those chickens into our supply chain we distribute them throughout the markets in midwest this is an actual ecosystem of businesses that actually make make a margin and where everybody everybody in the system can make a living a livelihood that's decent and all of that so absolutely it is expected that all of us um either right off the track or as we grow our operations will calculate those the size of those operations so that we can live off the farm make a living and this is why it's critical to have a horizontal governance and ownership system because it is the ownership of the food system that takes the livelihood away from the farmers and accumulates the wealth that is created in the food system or in the hands of a few, we have resolved that by having this horizontal ownership, which means all the wealth that is created then gets distributed so that everybody can make a living. Hmm.
0: So you actually started an organization called the Regenerative Poultry Cooperative, which is, consists of a, a number of farmers from southern Minnesota and Iowa. So it's like a co-op, and you share the benefits like any other cooperative would with with the others that you're working with.
1: We're actually not a co-op legally.
0: Oh, you're We're actually not. Okay. an
1: ecosystem of multiple enterprises, like Free Ranch Farms, which I'm the CEO of now. It's a C-Corp incorporated in Delaware. The Regenerative Agriculture Alliance, which oversees all of the training and development of farms and technical assistance and all of that, is an actual 501c3 hmm. tax-exempt nonprofit. Uh, you can see it at Regen Ag Alliance, that ORG, um, each farm is owned individually. Most of them are either sole proprietorships um, or you know working under their own social security numbers, like a lot of farmers do with Schedule F, or they are LLCs. And so we just are an association. We're an ecosystem of enterprises doing different things. Oh. The processing facility, for example, the title of it is under the nonprofit organization. But it's managed and operated by the workers down in Staceyville, and so the feed mill is out of Medillia, owned and operated by a family farm operation. But we got exclusivity; we we are really tight as to our relationship with each other, so that we we got systems of loyalty, accountability, and all of that, so that we only those who contribute to the system benefit from the system, and so. It, it's actually a whole different thing than, a, than the traditional concept of a, of a farmer cooperative.
0: So if somebody is listening to this and thinks that's a this is a good thing that they might like to get into, can they become a part of this? Do they start their own? I mean, it seems like it uh, takes a lot of organization to, to do this.
1: Well, that's why we already did all of the organizational systems. If If somebody's a farmer and say, listen, this sounds really good. I want to be part of it. And you are a farmer. You call the regional Agriculture Alliance, make make contact with them, and and then you start a process of exploration. You you will go through screening and all of that because we need to make sure that people understand they are joining a system, not just getting contracted to produce chickens like a lot of the companies do out there. And farmers always expect that somebody will come and contract, do all the stuff, and they just grow chickens and stuff. This you are joining a system, but you've got responsibilities as well as. In obligations as well as benefits out of the system. And so all of that has to be explained, yes. But, yeah, anybody can join if, if you're a farmer, as long as you are not farther than, like, three hours from Statesville, Iowa, because beyond three hours, it's just not going to make any sense economically or practically, logistically, and so on for somebody to join if they are farther than three hours out of Staceyville, Iowa, which is where the processing facility is. So that's kind of the epicenter of, this, of the whole regional producer pool now if you are a a grocery store owner you can join the system too you become a buyer but also you get a lot of benefits out of the system because you now have access to farmers you can bring you you can even have customers come out you know like we're doing a lot of promotion and customer education based on where our buyers are from the system and so we bring you into the full system fold you're not just a isolated buyer out there that we want to sell our products to, you're actually a business partner. And that definition business partner is serious. It's really, really beyond just selling stuff. And so if you are an investor, you a. You, you If you come and want to invest you know, on, the, on the farms or donate to the RAA, the nonprofit, the Regional Agriculture Alliance, or become an investor with Tree Range Farms, for example. All of this is, is is in front of you, and you can analyze the whole thing and, and really become part of an ecosystem of businesses. Um, and if if you just want to, you know, call your investment, you know, uh, manage your money management folks, your wealth management partners, and say, hey, listen, I heard about this. Can you investigate what it is? You can do that too and join that way. You know, like right now, just the fact that you called and you're doing this interview, you literally are joining this conversation and once you do that as they say once your brain gets entangled (laughs) and challenged like this it never goes back to the same place yeah beth fisher out of mckay state university says well you know she joined the science team and and uh, now she's completely into the system uh, her and dr john beck and um and dan hernandez and carrie Kerry Jennings, they are are four scientists actually tracking the carbon sequestration, all the environmental impact and soil health and all of that associated with the system deployment. And they joined the system, I mean, all the way in three years ago, and they are the the science team overseeing the system, the monitoring, the science monitoring in the system. So, you know, at that level, you can join as well. If you are an, an economist and want to come and, like, do circular economic experimentation here, We got all the data for you. If you're a biochemist, like Dr. Beth Fisher, same thing. There's tons of stuff you can do here. And in fact, even in that case, General Mills contributed quite a large amount of capital to to pay for all the cost of doing that. People can get jobs out of the whole process here, create whole new proposals, develop whole new areas of inquiry, scientific, economic, social, and otherwise. Again, we didn't get into this to do, to raise chickens. We came into this space to build a regenerative poultry system. Emphasis, highlight, underline system, not a production model.
0: So, Rehi, are you the only one who is doing this now, this regenerative poultry farming? You know, I know you're based in Northfield, and you mentioned people to get be a part of it should be located within a reasonable distance of Stacy, Iowa, which is kind of your one of your plants. But is this being done elsewhere? Is it, is it going to be coming up elsewhere as well?
1: Yes. Yeah, so just so you know, I've done this for a very long time. This, oh. is, not, this is not my first rodeo. I, <laughs> I'm a business developer for a long time. But my farm is what I'm talking about mostly. It's actually my mom's last name, maiden name, Salvatierra. So, S-A-L-V-A-T-I-E-R-R-A dot com. If you go there, you will see my farm, the 64 acres, the story of that farm where, 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 where my family farm here in Northfield. Now, there is 10 other farmers like me in southeastern Minnesota raising poultry exactly the same way. I just happen to be the architect and engineer, uh, economist, entrepreneur, and and everything behind the system, but but there is quite a large infrastructure in place. And people, there is over 75 of us directly connected, either raising the chickens, running the RAA, running the processing plant, working on the farms that are directly attached day to day with the system. There's another probably a hundred people or so who are on the surrounding. Area supporting the system such as the scientists the buyers mm-hmm. uh the the investors and all those folks who are connected seriously but on a, on an outer circle and then there is outside of that there is a, a few hundred for a total of around five hundred of us connected on the outer circle in the middle circle and then in the inner circle, just right here in the southeastern region of minnesota then we we are training uh the the, the the native folks in Pine Ridge who are already mm-hmm. developing another regional producer pool there. There's another group in Nebraska which is doing the same. Um, we launched an operation in, in Querétaro in Mexico, supported the, the regional farmers there, and also another in the highlands of Guatemala. There's over 350 farms last time they told me. And we built a team up in British, you know, Hazelton, British Columbia, which got some national publicity because of of, you know, how they brought our poultry system and started producing chickens in that region, which wasn't doing any of this before. So this is, in in, in the next month, you know, in May, um, on, on May 12th, I'll be presenting in London, this whole system I'll be presenting in London in front of, I believe it's like 700 delegates from 48 countries who are looking at this system as a potential way to, to redesign, the way poultry is done on a global basis. So absolutely, this is. I'm just here talking to you as a farmer, but this is a system. It was never intended to be a single farm.
0: Is this scalable? There's so many farms that are so very big around here, and they might not want to give up their land. I mean, what do you need to, to have to start it? Because you talked about just a, not that many acres, for example, and you obviously are making a living. Well, the thing is,
1: is uh, and by the way, my farm is now fully deployed, so I'm not making a living off the farm yet. I just bought the farm, but oh. by next year, in fact, this year we'll we'll start. We'll bring in probably around $175,000 worth of actual poultry income, mm-hmm. about $6,000 worth of other products that are coming out of the farm. But by 2024, definitely can make a living off the farm, and it, that's a very short period of time. Considering there is some farmers around here who are fourth and fifth generation, still losing money. So I think we're doing fine on that perspective. As far as scalability, this is how to understand the scalability equation for this system. We have built the scaffolding, the strategies, the entrepreneurship infrastructure, the economic systems, the modeling, all of that to build a large scale system of small farms producing poultry. That is the foundation of the system, the the theory of change. Now, those farms, now, 11 of them, as I said, we are aggregating farms every year, And this year, next year, and the following year are going to be record years. We we plan to grow enough capacity for at least 2 million chickens by 2026. Now, as we do that, the farms that grow the chickens um, are smaller. The farms growing the grain for the system, those can be larger farms. And if you got 4,000 acres and you want to do this system on your farm, I got a blueprint I can deliver to you. There's no limitation on how many hundreds or in this case, you know, 20, 25 acres. If you, that's all you got, you can become one of the cornerstone poultry producers in anywhere. But if you got 4,000 acres, we just do something much bigger. But it's the same exact blueprint this is how we scaffolded it so that it is replicable scalable to any landscape base or to any size of farm as long as you get at least 1.5 acres in fact is the production unit blueprint the only reason we probably won't be able to do you know a production unit only is because anybody who's that that kind of small amount of land is probably not zoned to have animals Mm -hmm. on their land. Other than that, we could even do a one and a half acre or 1,500 acres, or based on our plan for the region, we're shooting at three and a half million acres as part of the blueprint we want to affect in the next 10 to 15 years.
0: Rahi, this is very fascinating. Unfortunately, I'm almost out of time for the show here, but I wanna ask you, when you are speaking next Tuesday, April 11th here on campus, What can people expect to hear from you and what will they learn?
1: They will hear about the scientific basis of the system because we are speaking at a university and it's Dr. Fisher's class. And she's bringing a lot of folks there from faculty to students and folks who want to understand the science behind it. One. Two, they will hear about the ecological, social eh, impact that we are having and plan to have even more in our region. And they will also hear about how actually simple this concept is and how magnificently superior in, in terms of the amount of output that we can harvest out of an acre of land um, as we do this. And uh, finally, the state of Minnesota has has evaluated you no know, legislators have evaluated this and gave us a thumbs up and some capital to build a a larger scale regenerative agriculture development, uh, infrastructure for Minnesota. And so we are doing that too. And they will hear about that and how we go about turning some of the land in Minnesota into systems like this that can deliver us uh, so much more wealth, so much more social connectivity, and so much more badly needed economic development for our rural communities.
0: Okay, it's going to be Tuesday, April 11th from 7 to 8.30 in Ostrander Hall here at Minnesota State University. I want to thank you for your time, and this is very fascinating, and I wish we had more time, but I hope people can go and learn all that you have to say about it. One more question. What is the best website people can go to to learn more about regenerative agriculture?
1: Yeah, so for regenerative poultry, go to Regen Ag Alliance, so R-E-G-E-N, ag as in a g and then alliance with a c and double l alliance dot org if you just want to go to our company as tree as in trees tree range as in ranging tree range farms.com
0: thank you so much i appreciate it thank you Ho- bye 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 every day is earth that is is supported by minnesota valley federal credit union